a public service announcement with guitar. have the right to have your vote counted that's the way we roll here on your rights at work chris garlock and ed smith and today folks you 202-588-0893 whatever you have on your mind obviously we'll take your calls and questions about your rights on the job or any work-related questions but you know what uh we got a little situation going on we're still counting votes all across the country so if you uh have something to say about that Give us a call, 202-588-0893. And uh, thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody, and I mean everybody who has contributed during our fall fundraising campaign. We really appreciate that. Uh, you can still do that, and you all know how to do that. Uh, but first, Ed Smith, we have somebody you have not seen in a long time, uh, your friend and mine and everybody out there in WPFW land Bill Fletcher Jr. Welcome, Bill. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me on. I tell you what, it is my absolute pleasure. I, I have just, uh, I, oh, I, I can't say I miss you because we got to spend a couple of hours on our uh, live stream for the network last night, hey. but uh, mm-hmm. very good to have you back. Now, listen, on the network yesterday, uh, you, <laughs> see, this is why we need you on like CNN and stuff, because you, you brought something I've not heard yet on, on the major networks. Uh, you need to lay, uh, lay, lay the Bill Fletcher uh, zombie voter theory on us. Give us some truth here, brother. So I think when we look at the election results, there's a number of things that we have to appreciate. One is that um, there's a consistency um, in terms of the Republican vote. But the other thing that we've got to look at is to recognize that what we saw the other day was a rejection of reality by millions of people. Uh-huh. And, and it wasn't simply that there were political disagreements. You know, should we invade Iraq or not? You know, that's this was a rejection of reality. And it was at a mass level. This is a mass movement. And, and, at the core of that mass movement are people that I describe as zombies. And I describe them, I'm talking about roughly 25% of the electorate. When you look at voting patterns, what you see is that roughly 25% of the electorate consistently votes in reactionary ways, consistently. And they have their own way of looking at the world that is simply out of touch with reality. They're the mass version of the flat earth society. And, and <laughs> really. Which is a real and thing, it, people. It's, which is a real Fletch, thing. Fletch is not making this up. No, it's a real that's thing. That's right. They, exa- they exist. And, and what, when I call them zombies, Chris, I mean that people have lost touch with reality, with their humanity, with empathy. Um, and that this, these, and, and they have, they exist within a bubble that reinforces the most erroneous ideas. Um, and, and I think that if you look, the proof is in the pudding. In September, three things came out. 
September and October, that should have completely destroyed Trump's campaign. Oh, hold up, hold up. This is this is the Bill Fletcher uh, th- three-part test, right? Yes, this is the three-part. This is the zombie test. All right, this is a zombie test. Pay okay. attention, Ed. Okay. This, you want to write this down. This is important. So anybody, you can always identify a zombie based on how they respond to these questions, right? All right, all right. All right. Pay attention. Now, please. one, um, when it was revealed that Trump had disparaged veterans and deceased U.S. servicemen and women, what was your stand? Okay, that's number one. Second, when it was revealed through his own words that Trump had lied about the COVID pandemic, that in fact he knew as, as late as, uh, as early as February of, of this year about the extent of it and lied, what did you do? Okay, that's Third is when it was revealed that his debt is potentially $400 million, and, but nobody knows to whom he's indebted. What did you do? Now, anybody that tries to excuse any of those away, you, you can immediately understand they're zombies. <laughs> right? They're, they're just like zombies. That, Ed. Ed likes that. Ed likes yeah. that. I mean, right. they, I mean, how do I mean, you know, these people that wave the American flag. I mean, just I I think about this because I grew up as a, um, you know, during the Vietnam War, I was very opposed to the Vietnam War. I watched these Vietnam veterans coming back and basically they were disregarded by the establishment. I don't mean by the Democrats. I mean, the establishment of this country couldn't give a damn about those veterans. The veterans who were suffering post-traumatic stress. Right. Um, They had to fight to be treated by the VA, the veterans that were dealing with Agent Orange, where there was this constant denial. Right. So I I look at that and I'm regularly in the corner of the veterans. And yet you have these knuckleheads waving these American flags that are then prepared to accept a president of the United States where it is documented by different news outlets that he disparaged veterans and deceased personnel. And you're going to explain that away? I mean, can you imagine if Obama had done that, Chris? Oh, my God. Oh, forget about it. Pitchforks and torches, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me me just reintroduce you. That's a familiar voice folks are hearing that, of course, Bill Fletcher, long, long time uh, PFW host, author of many, many books. Go out and buy and read them all. Uh, and he's here on Your Rights at Work, Chris Garlock, Ed Smith. And and, and and Bill, I think that three-part test, I mean, you could come up with a six or a ten-part test, but of course, right. uh, since this is also comedy, you do have the rule of three, right? So, right, right, um, right. Um, although I have to tell you, I, 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 the, the one that I was thinking today, and I was thinking of you when I heard this today, I was like, how, how, here, here's my one part test today, which is how does the same campaign, right, chant, uh, count the votes in Arizona and stop the count in, in Pennsylvania? The same right. campaign. Right. I mean, I mean, is that, it's, I mean, it sounds like two different campaigns. I mean, that's not a consistent message, right? I mean, how does, no. how, how, how does it make sense? It, it doesn't have to. Oh, see, I, that's, that, my bad, sorry. I, see, that, no, no, see, that's the thing. It doesn't have to make sense because of the, the dimensional plane 
within which this whole campaign is operating. All that makes sense is that they believe it. That's all that makes sense. I mean, that's all that's relevant. That well, well, let, me, let me ask you, and let me get in on this too, but I mean, do you really think, I mean, I can never tell whether these folks believe it and, and from Trump on down, or are they just trolling us, right? I mean, you know, that, that they don't necessarily believe it, but it's, and trolling, you know, as I understand, it's really just, you know, I mean, I'm joking, I'm teasing, I'm, 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 I'm pulling your leg, uh, you know, so it's, it's kind of hard for me to, Ed, let me get you, I, I know you want to, I know you want to weigh yeah. in on this too and talk with Brother Fletcher and folks, 202-588-0893, seriously, uh, Bill's all we got on. We're not, we're not loading up on folks. It's just us and Bill and you. So come on at us. Uh, I, we got a call, but uh, Ed, go ahead. Well, first of all, good to see you, uh, Bill. Um, great, great uh, points that you make. I love the zombie argument, <laughs> but I want to, I want to um, state some good news. DC over 93% for Biden. About five percent. Wait, wait, wait. What's what was with the 7%? How do we not get the 7%? No, only five for Trump. And five percent. Okay. The right. Others were the independent. Um, but uh, to your point, to your question, uh, Chris, troll versus belief. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I have to tell you, I think there's a lot of people that actually believe this. Oh, wow. I haven't, I have engaged some of my former high school acquaintances up in upstate New York um, to my peril. Um, Good luck with that. And one of the things that I engaged yesterday was this whole idea in Wisconsin. There's this uh, 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 Facebook um, messaging going out that there were more votes than registered voters in Wisconsin. So they're cheating. And so immediately I went to the election commission's tally of registered voters, which was done the day before the election. So. Clearly, they had no skin in the game of, you know, which they didn't anticipate somebody saying there'd be more votes than registered voters. And, of course, the number was incorrect on the um, Facebook site. There was way more registered voters than actual mm-hmm. votes. I sent it to these people. And, and, and let, me course, just, let me just say, Ed, we're not talking hours of research. What did this take you, about no, three minutes of research? About here? three minutes, right. <laughs> so I sent it. And... Um, and uh, I got a couple of likes from some people I don't even know who they are, but the person that I sent it to came back and said, well, you believe what you believe, I'll believe what I believe. And also Rush Limbaugh has um, has uh, 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 supported the facts that I'm putting out there. And oh, well, I, well I had to respond. I had to respond. <laughs> I said something along the lines like, well, if Rush Limbaugh says it, well, that's the end of the debate. And then <laughs> seriously, so, I, I, you know, going back overall, Bill is absolutely right. There is a large part of this population that they don't care what the facts are. They feel threatened that their lives are going to be changed, that we're going into a socialist revolution here. And it's all about being afraid of black and brown people. I I really, really, truly believe this. I don't think we can get around it. I don't care if some people don't believe this. It's just I don't see how. We can get around this. People are afraid of Democrats in part because there are many black and brown, yellow, green, all sorts of different colors of the rainbow that are supporters of progressive movements that are changing how we look at America. These people want to stay from in the 50s and what they thought was great. And even if it wasn't in their interest, and like Bill says, veterans, 
There are many veterans that still support the Republicans. They're starting to drift away, though, because they know they're getting hit hard with real, real policies. But veterans are screwed every single year That's in right. terms of getting relief. And they're even screwed by the Democrat Party, as, yeah. as we all know, too. Um, but I just think that there's just this feeling that I don't want to lose what I thought I had, and I'm afraid of an invasion of Muslims, blacks, browns, anybody who doesn't look like I look like. And that's going to change over time, but they're going to keep clawing and fighting and doing voter suppression and everything and making claims like, oh, there was more registered voters, more voters than registered voters in Wisconsin. And one more point, one more point. I think it's fine for for a campaign to ask for a recount. Um, There's, clearly going to be a recount in Georgia because it's going to be so close to call that I think it's fair to do a recount in Wisconsin as a legal matter. They have a right to look for recounts, but to try to change the rules of when, how, and how, and when you um, uh, uh, count the vote is just beyond the pale to me. Yeah, Bill, I want to ask you, and we have a caller that I want to get in also, mm-hmm. but, but I mean, let me and, and 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 I know that you know there's some seriousness and there's some having fun with the zombie idea, but but who was it? It was one of the robber barons, I think, who talked about how he could hire one half the working class to Gould. kill Gould. Yeah, Jay Gould, the rock, mm-hmm. you know, railroad, who you know could hire one half the working class to kill the other half of the working right. class. And he wasn't. He was not kidding. No, he literally, he, he right. could you know hire them to do that and did. Isn't there an element of that going on here as well? Yeah. Absolutely. So there's, there's two points I want to make there. Um, and one is that um, there is a struggle going on um, a, a, around reality that is highly ideological, uh, that crosses many boundaries. And, um, and there, you, you have always had reactionary segments of the population. So when Gould was saying that, he was right. He could do that. In the French Revolution, there was a historic counter-revolution in an area called the Vendée, where peasants rallied once on, the, on behalf of the royalty against the Republican government. A Republican, not like you know, right, Trump right, Republican, right? right. Um, I mean, so you're going to, that's always a danger. And I think that that's part of what we're dealing with. And, and that's why it's important uh, when we often talk about people voting against their own interests, right. we have to be careful because people see their interests in different ways and not necessarily the way we see them. Um, the other thing I want to get squeeze in here, Chris, is one of my favorite films is cons- is called Conspiracy, Kenneth Branagh. Oh yeah, and right about the Vansi meeting that planned the Holocaust. Right. And and your listeners, if you haven't watched it, it's on HBO. You've got to watch it. It's brilliant. I have never watched a film where there was no action sequences, but where I was sitting on the edge of my seat. And and there's a segment where they're discussing uh, Reinhard Heydrich, who convened the meeting, is basically uh, uh, discussing the extermination of Jews, basically saying, we tried all this other stuff. We can't get enough Jews out of the country. Now it's time to, to wipe them out. And there's this, this apparatchik there who says, you know, I, 
I have been, you know, we can jail the Jews, we can put them in concentration camps, but I have been told by the Fuhrer we would not annihilate them. <clears throat> and Heydrich looks at him and he says, and he will continue to. Oh. Right? So what we have to understand is that there are these, that the people, these leaders are standing up there, they're saying things that people want, some segment of the population wants to believe. They don't want to believe the reality. The reality is much too painful mm-hmm. for Germans to have actually accepted the reality that millions of people were being annihilated while they went home for dinner, These civil, the, the German civilians. That would have been far too unsettling. They believed what they wanted to believe. And these Trumpsters believe what they want to believe. Your friends, Ed, are in that category, right? Mm-hmm. That they, be, they believe in what they want. Acquaintances, excuse me. Right. All the apologies. Uh, they believe <laughs> what they want to believe. All right. We're just talking to Bill Fletcher Jr. And I believe if uh, Brother Mike has uh, been hand signaling, yes, uh, we have some callers. Uh, Bill, let's see what folks have to say. Hey, you're on your rights at work. Uh, what's your question or comment? Go ahead. Hello. My name is uh, Darnell from Southern Maryland. I love the uh, the situation uh, that uh, Mr. Fletcher talked about, the um, the veterans being ignored by the system. Well, today's people who are being ignored are foundational black Americans, ADOS, American descendants of slaves. We had Joe Biden and Kamala Harris uh, uh, institute a system of benign neglect and also outright oppression against foundational black Americans. So it vexes me greatly that 80% of black voters voted for Joe Biden knowing his history, knowing Kamala Harris' anti-black history. This is a huge problem. Um, and now with this gentleman, he was talking about how the, 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 the Jews were persecuted about by the Nazis. Remember, Jews enslaved black Americans. The, uh, the Obama administration... All right, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. I, I'm not going to listen to this stuff. There you go. Let's just be very clear. I ain't going down this road of anti-Semitism, caller. So you can, you can, I can give you some books to read, right? That uh, about all of this. So let's just start with a few things. One, the uh, the reality is that when uh, Biden and others were pushing criminal reform, black leaders, political leaders, and community leaders were also pushing it because of the crack epidemic, gangs, and, and there was massive panic. That does not justify what they did. It helps us contextualize it. Second is that, okay, so the issue of Biden is more an issue about Trump, right? We've seen the particular danger represented by Trump. We see the complete mismanagement of the, um, uh, of the COVID crisis. We've seen his support for armed fascist groups, Brother, do you need any further education on this? Now, the final thing about Jews, let's be clear that, yeah, there were Jews that were involved in it. There were also non-Jews. In fact, let's talk about the Catholics for a second. And let's talk about the way that the Christian church justified slavery. So don't tell me about Jews, right? Let's talk about how Isabella and Ferdinand drove the Jews and the Moors out of Spain, right? in the name of white Christianity. So don't tell me this stuff about Jews. Let's just be clear, brother. 
Go back and read something and, and stay away from the protocols of the elders of Zion and the other kind of BS that you're probably reading. All right. All right. Any response on that before we go? Yeah, you're oh, yeah, on Yeah, yeah. Those, those black leaders bought and paid for sellouts that Malcolm X told us about. Now, you notice how uh, that gentleman, he wanted to deflect from the Jews. Uh, Princess Ferdinand or whoever, that didn't happen in America. I'm talking about recent American history. No, 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 no. Chris, Chris, I'm sorry. Chris, Chris, I'm... No, 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 no. See, I'm not... See, it's like, I'm not going to debate fascists. I'm not going to debate ADOS, right? I'm not going to get into this whole thing around Jews because you're simply wrong, right? And I'm not going to give the legitimacy to uh, to any kind of anti-Semitism. I'm sorry, bro. Go back and read some stuff, right? Go read The Many-Headed Hydra by Linebow, right? And then, you know, take an aspirin and call me in the morning. 202-588-0893. That's Bill Fletcher Jr. Uh, no sugarcoating here today, folks. Ooh, daddy. Not, not on your rights of work. But, you know, Bill, this reminds me, remember, we had an organizer. Uh, yeah, I see that, Mike. We had an organizer, uh, brother, a uh, sheet metal worker, in uh, Michigan, I believe it was yesterday, who who talked about just these kinds of conversations, right? Where you're trying to have a conversation with folks and you can't pin them down because they're jumping all over the place. So, uh, you know, and I think this was a discussion that we had, which is, you know, trying to have a conversation, but, you know, if folks haven't done the reading or if folks are doing some, you know, have gone down the internet rabbit hole, you know, and there's a whole lot of them out there, um, you know, difficult to, to have. Comment on that? I think, I think it's very, I think you're right. See, the thing is, Chris, and, and I, I feel obviously very strongly about this. No, I, I, couldn't I, tell, this no, I couldn't tell. You Seriously. couldn't tell, right. I, I, I know. I was a little bit soft-spoken. Yeah, you were. Yeah, I got to get energized. There you, um, go. you know, I think it's really important that we understand that there's certain views you just simply don't entertain, Right. I'm not going to argue with someone who is basically asserting, for example, that uh, people of African descent are inferior. I, I'm not going to look at that. I mean, he can say that, right, and say it somewhere other than around me. But I'm not going to get in that debate. I'm not going to get into these debates around Jewish conspiracies. I've heard too much of this stuff growing up, right? Oh, yeah, and, and just it's 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 just I'm not entertaining it. So I'm sorry if listeners are pissed off. That's your problem. It ain't mine. Fair enough. All right. Thank you, we Bill. Some, well right. stated. So let's, we got some callers here. Let's see what folks have to say. Uh, caller, you're on the air with uh, Chris and Ed and Bill Fletcher Jr. What's your uh, question or comment? Go ahead. For me? Yes, sir. How y'all doing? We're doing good. We're fired up, and uh, we're, we're just talking here. What you got for us? Sorry, I did not think I was on air. <clears throat> I was doing a test there. I apologize. Hey, yes, That's sir. Right. Glad to hear you guys. A longtime listener to WPFW since I was a kid. I'm 51 now, so that said. Welcome, welcome. Oh, oh man, your blues play special, whatever. Long time ago stuff. Anyway, uh, yes, sir. I'm a middle of the road kind of guy. I don't believe in many of the extremes. You know, cut down some of the trees. You can't leave all of them. Don't mean it facetious or sarcastic. Spent a lot of time at the uh, Jesuit plantation down here in La Plata, Maryland, and uh, because I work over there sometimes. And only, my name is Joe Webb, and I grew up in Prince George's County, Maryland. I live in St. Mary's okay. County now. Got four daughters. And, uh, you know, a lot of things going on with that. We're Hopkins a lot, it seems like, for my one daughter. And uh, thank God to be so close. But the election stuff, Mr. Joe Biden and Mr. Trump. Well, 
good gracious. Sometimes I guess you got to pick between two evils. Some say, some say you're, you're lucky to have the options. I could go all day on them, but I don't see how, number one, I don't think we really had a choice. I think it was given to us. I done predicted Biden for a couple of weeks now, at least. That's an ignorant statement. But I think Kamala Harris, isn't that, isn't it Trump plus Biden equal Harris? And I cannot see how you can really tell me that Biden is better for African-Americans or poor people than necessarily Donald Trump. I'd love to know why you think that so harshly. It seems like you got on that last guy wrong. I don't think he went on the Jews like that. Oh, no, he did. I'm sorry, Colin. Tell me why he did. He he did. No, no, you must have missed it. So you might want to. That's okay. Let's let's, let's move off of that. So so the thing about the thing, uh, uh, there's really no question. And all you have to do is just read the platform of the Democratic Party or read the platform of of Biden. But if you don't want to read any of that stuff, then there's a very simple thing, right? The, The zombie test that I said before, right? What do you make of somebody who disparaged deceased U.S. servicemen and women? And when he's he, the president. When he himself, when he himself I was a draft dodger, okay? When he was a draft dodger. Listen, yeah, but right? listen, we all know that. We know that he's all the – we as men have always hated Donald Trump, okay? All people. Now, white people and some blacks have took on to him because he's such a macho guy. None of those same guys liked him 10 years ago. They thought he was a rich guy. Like, they hated him. Everybody hated Trump. Now he's their guy, right. maybe because he's going to fight for this or fight for that. But my real point is, I mean, I went to the election place the other day. I, I wrote my own name on the line, to be honest. Then I scratched it out and wrote Trump because I was like, I don't know who to vote for. They're both criminals. Their families are this. Their families are that. When are we but as they're Americans going to realize they're, but they're, but No, they're not. They're not. See, that's the problem. What do you mean they're there, not? There is no so, equivalent. Well, well let's, let's look at a couple things. Why do you think that we, Joe Biden's not a bad guy? Because he would not have had, he would not have overseen the death of 250,000 people because of this pandemic. He would have coordinated. Go ahead. Yes, sir. He would have coordinated the response. He would not have been lying to us the way this sucker is. That's one of the reasons. I mean, isn't that good enough? That you wouldn't want 250. I mean, I don't know whether you've had any of your friends die. I have. I take this shit very seriously. Right? And I've had people die. And I've watched uh, these the first responders. I know nurses, man, that are on the front line that have been going crazy because of this, uh, because of this pandemic. Getting, not getting the supplies that they need. While this guy in the White House has been sitting there denying, and you're saying that there's no choice? And that you would ultimately vote for Trump? This guy, this guy sitting in the White House that would encourage armed fascist groups. Let me me double emphasize that. Armed fascist groups, right, to assert themselves in in the COVID demonstrations. And then when there's a demonstrated plot to overthrow the government of Michigan, what does he do? And you're saying that there's no choice? I mean, are you real? Or are you sitting in Moscow? Uh, so, yeah, and I think that's a really good point. Uh, and I think we've got another caller. Uh, Mike, thank you very much for the call, Joe. I appreciate that. Uh, Mike, we got another caller here. Let's cue them up. Hey, you're on your rights at work. Go right ahead. Thanks for calling. Uh, hello. Hey, hello? thanks for calling. Hi. Yep, you're my, on. My name is Terry, and uh, I'm 67 Terry. years old. And what I'm hearing and listening to is extremely disturbing. Uh, 
the first, or the second black man in this country that got a PhD was Dr. Carter G. Woodson. I would tell that young brother that called, the first book he needs to read is Dr. Carter G. Woodson's book, Myth Education of the Negro. Second book I would recommend, and the third, were written by Jews. Howard Zinn, People's History of America, and the third, mm-hmm. the third would be Anna Herent. Back in the 50s, she escaped Nazi persecution. She came to America. She was a first-rate intellectual. And she wrote a book, and in that book she said, I can't remember the name of it, she said, you have to understand something. Fascism will come to America not with jackboots and with weapons from another country. It'll come, I'm paraphrasing, it'll come from within side. Mm. I have been a student of German history since I was a child in third or fourth grade when I first discovered the Encyclopedia Britannica. And I opened up a passage, and I saw where a German woman was on her knees in World War, after World War I was storing almost a million marks into a furnace. They were burning dollars or marks to keep warm because the money was worthless. And so that triggered something in me because as a child, I said, wait a minute, people burning money? That doesn't make sense to me. So long story short, I started doing my research on German history. I read Mein Kampf twice when I was 13 and when I got to high school, okay? Everything that Albert Speer, Hitler's architect, wrote, I read, okay? And plus dozens of other books. And I'm getting to this point. When you look at German history right after World War I, when Hitler and the fascists, the brown shirts, started to rise to power and influence, I'm sitting there looking at this, and I'm looking at what's going on in this country, and I see a direct parallel. It's like I'm seeing history repeat itself right here in America. And it scares the hell out of me, given what I know about German history. It's already laid out. And secondly, as far as the Christians are concerned, Let me lay this on you, and I learned this from Howard Zinn. There was a priest that traveled with Columbus when they got to uh, Hispaniola. His name was Bartolomeu de las Casas. And I forget the name of the book that he wrote, okay? But he went within 20 years of Columbus's arrival into Hispaniola, which is now Haiti and the Dominican Republic. They practically wiped out the entire population of Indians that were living there. Forgive me for saying Indians, I should say the original people, okay? They practically wiped them out. Bartolomeu de la Casas went to the Pope and said to the Pope, we don't have anyone to do the slave labor. Let's make a deal with the Ottoman Turks to bring Africans to America. So you have the Catholics on one side, the Christians, the ruling power, and the Muslims ruling power Import, making a deal to import Africans from Africa and bring them to America. So for this brother to say that there's no that there's, that, that 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 this didn't happen or he doesn't understand it, he needs to get tight with history. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jerry. Right on, uh, Bill. Uh, sounds like he's uh, you know kind of messing around in uh, in your in your historical. Uh, uh, I love it. There, right. Well, no, I love it, you know, and I really appreciate the caller. And one of the things that that uh, uh, the caller is highlighting 
is the importance of correctly understanding history. Right. 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 So, so one of the difficulties is, and, and I think it was represented certainly by the first caller, is when you get history wrong, you can just make stuff up, right? And come to any conclusion that you want. That's part of the problem with the flat earth society, right? And, and so if you don't understand like what is what was really happening and what the forces were, you, you end up having bad strategy. So, so I want to ask you something, actually. And just let me remind folks, uh, that, you know, as I said, this is your hour. Uh, we're always a call-in show, but we're really uh, keeping it simple today. 202-588-0893. And you don't, have, you don't have to agree with us. You don't have to agree with Bill. Uh, you know, we, we don't like anti-Semitic stuff. We don't like racist stuff. But we want to hear what you guys have to say. So 202-588-0893. I want you to take just a second because I think people – People may think that you're making up the Flat Earth Society. And, and what I want you to talk about the Flat Earth Society is, you know, why would people, it's obvious to us now, we've seen pictures of the globe. We know it's not a flat earth. I think there may be still a few charter members out there. I don't know. Right. But, but why, why would people, even at a time when, you know, it had been demonstrably proven that it was, I mean, you know, at a certain time, if you didn't, if you didn't have ships or you couldn't, you know, you couldn't see anything other than the flat earth, I can kind of get how you might think the earth was flat, right? I get that. Why, why was there a flat earth society long after, uh, you know, people should have, should, should have understood that there's not a flat earth? What, what was it that drove well, people to, to insist I want to expand that question, Chris. Okay. Run with it. Why? Why are there Holocaust deniers? Okay, even better. Right? Even better. There you um, go. And 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 it's related because people develop a certain can develop a certain level of security in um, a in an incorrect assertion that becomes a lie, an act of a lie. For Holocaust deniers, to acknowledge the Holocaust has many implications that go beyond how horrific things were in Germany. It goes to why was there collaboration from U.S. companies with Hitler when there was plenty of evidence of growing and dangerously so anti-Semitism in in Germany? Um, Why did the United States, Britain, and France play neutral during the Spanish Civil War when Italy and Germany, the Nazi Germany, were actively supporting the fascists, right? So if you deny the Holocaust, you minimize the responsibility. It it becomes one of these things of, well, we didn't know. I see. Right? So let's use another example. In 1965, there was a coup in Indonesia. Uh, it was dramatized in that Mel Gibson movie, The Year of Living Dangerously. Great, great film. Right? Yeah. And it was a coup, except for one part, but that's a long story. Um, <laughs> there was a, there was a, the coup was organized by the Central Intelligence Agency, British intelligence, and right-wing generals in the Indonesian army. As a result of that coup, somewhere between 500,000 and 2 million Indonesians were wiped out in a year. Now, the U.S. was culpable. And, and yet, you know, see, if you recognize the culpability, the problem then is, Chris, you got to do something about it. I so see. it's much easier 
to sit back and say, well, I didn't know. No, that didn't happen. That couldn't have happened. Right? Well, no, actually it did happen. And now that we're dealing with that, what are you going to do about it? What do you do about understanding that the, that the Holocaust was not an exceptional event historically? That there was a massive Holocaust against the First Nations in the Western Hemisphere. 80% of Native Americans died within 100 years after the Europeans first landed in the Western Hemisphere. 80%. Hmm. That the, you look at the deaths from the slave trade, you look at what the Germans did in what's now known as Namibia. What was different, as Aimé Césaire pointed out in Discourse on Colonialism, was that it was one European population that was doing something against another European population that had been carried out against the peoples of the global south for centuries. So it's easy for people to basically sit back and say, well, I didn't know. Or, no, that couldn't possibly have happened because that lets them off the hook. So that makes sense, actually. So part of the, part of the thing about, about uh, Trump, then, is that uh, if you don't want to have to deal with all of the all of the and, and it's very interesting, Bill, because a lot of times, usually in one on one conversations, I find, you know, people will say, well, yeah, this stuff with the women is pretty bad. I mean, they'll, they'll sort of give you certain things, but then they'll make some other kind of argument. And now what I see from what you're saying is what they're doing is it, it, it's, it's almost like uh, an abused spouse trying to say, well, you know, but that's exactly right. You know, so, sort of. And it's really, yeah, that, that, that's a really good way to put it. 202-588-0893. You're listening to Your Rights at Work. Chris Garlock, Ed Smith, and our very special guest, Bill Fletcher Jr. is going to be a very familiar voice to, uh, to folks here on WPFW. I want, to, I want to ask you about an issue that we've been following, Bill. We didn't prep on this, so uh, feel free to... Oh, Proposition 22 in California. I, I, mm-hmm. I will admit, I came late to that issue. Oh, uh, I had to get hip to it by some some folks. And at first I was like, well, it's a California problem. Got nothing to do with the rest of us. Uh, well, uh, yep, Ed's shaking his head. Uh, it passed, barely passed, 58%, not exactly a big right. margin, $200 million. Most expensive proposition, I think, in the history of the United States. Yeah, and that's saying something in California because there's been some expensive proposition and, mm-hmm. and just really boiling it down. Basically, it's this whole gig worker issue, which is in California, they finally got sick of, you know, the, the way that gig workers are being abused and, and mistreated, and they passed a damn law. Uh, and what I didn't realize, Bill, was that they passed a law in, uh, I think it was it was last year they passed a law, and Uber and Lyft, first they said, we're not going to pay attention to it. Then when California tried to enforce the law, the Uber and Lyft said, well, we'll shut down, right? And then the third thing they did was they, they, they spent this $200 million to put a proposition uh, on the ballot, which, by the way, doesn't – it basically just was a carve-out, you know, for these workers. And now that they've won, and now everybody – this is the reason I want to talk about it here. Now they're saying we're going to go national with it which means that they're going to try and get this across the country to really write into law that you, that you, that gig workers are contract workers, which as you well know, is, is horse pucky. <laughs> right. But none of this should have surprised us, Chris. I mean, when you look at the way that the economy has been moving since the 1970s and the increase in what's called casualization, 
uh, or the creation of these jobs without benefits where the employer is obscure, et cetera. It was inevitable that this was going to happen. Now, the question is, and what I think that the, the listeners need to appreciate is that the objective of this is to minimize the responsibility of employers for anything, right? So you basically, it's, it's, it's essentially creating an entire system of 1099ers where you're getting flat rate, essentially, you're getting no benefits, um, you're theoretically a self-employed person, right? And, and, and so they're abusing the whole notion of self-employment. I'm a consultant. I'm self-employed. Mm-hmm. I work with particular clients. Um, and when that work ends with that client, that's it. I don't have any expectation that this is going to be some sort of ongoing, lifelong profession. But you see, this all started when they started doing this with taxi drivers back in the, I think, the 1970s, when they, when they, they moved taxi drivers from being employees of taxi, taxi uh, companies to being contractors. This is how unionization was destroyed in the taxi industry. Now, what I would say to the California labor movement is now you need Bear V. Desai, who is the head of the New York Taxi Workers Alliance. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Right? And you need to sit down with her and with other people that have been organizing taxi workers and say, okay, now what do we do? Because what the New York Taxi Workers Alliance did was to successfully organize taxi workers into a non-union organization that in many ways functions like a union, but they can't do collective bargaining because they're made up of contract employees, but they built this incredible organization in New York. So in California, what I would hope is that the California Labor Federation will invite in Berevi and others to sit down with the labor movement and say, okay, now what are we going to do? Not just with taxi drivers because, or, or, or Lyft or, or Uber, but more generally, because what capital wants to do is to increase the casualization of the workforce. That's right. They've been at this since at least the 1980s. I remember this um, article in Business Week around in the late 80s that was talking about the hollowing of the U.S. corporations and how the objective of the corporations was to consistently narrow the number of permanent full-time employees, and to create a massive periphery of casualized workers. And, it's, and it, what it does is, you know, there's no health care, there's no benefits, and we basically right. all become, uh, uh, you know, just subject to their whims. I think we've got a couple of callers, if I was reading my uh, hand signals from uh, Brother Mike there. So let's go ahead and go to the phones. Uh, you're on your rights at work. Uh, go ahead. What's your name and, and uh, what's your question or comment? Yeah, how you doing? Uh, my name's Liam. Uh, I've been a uh, listener for a while, and I, I really appreciate what you guys uh, talk about and the uh, pers- perspective you provide. Um, y'all, y'all are covering a lot of ground real quick. I just wanted to add um, the a caller, a couple couple callers back on um, trying to equate Biden and Trump. Right. And I, I mean, Biden is no angel. Don't get me wrong, but at sure. the same time, by the same merits you quoted to him, like. 
he was definitely speaking from a place of privilege and ignorance. And I mean, I can't fault him that, but we need to take the time and the effort to educate ourselves because for a lot of people, Trump is death. Like he's, he's rallying right. for things that are going to end lives. And if, if it's not your life, then that's all well and good. But there are people's lives on the line and it must be acknowledged and understood. Um, Furthermore, I was talking uh, the uh, the downplaying of um, indigenous genocide and the uh, the popularity, if you will, or the uh, the attention given to um, the Holocaust. I think a lot of that came in from the um, development of mass media. You know, like right around World War II, you got you got this multinational conflict. You got newspapers. You got radio. You got all that. And now you see Trump coming up, and we've got the Internet, we've got social media, all this stuff, throwing messages around without really any supervision. It's wild. It's just the dissemination of ideas, and now there's really no way to moderate that, no culpability, none of that. Leon, uh, great. thanks so much for the call, Leon. Those are mm-hmm. really, really good points. Appreciate it. Keep listening, keep calling, all right? Absolutely. Take care. All right, take care. Uh, before we get the response from Bill, I think uh, we've got another call there. Uh, hey, you're on your rights at work with uh, Chris, Ed, and Bill Fletcher. Go ahead. You're on. You're on. Hello. Hey, thanks for calling. Yeah, I just wanted to um, uh, make a comment about the holistic nature of how these different issues play together. And one of the things that I think, uh, particularly labor, t- t- traditional big Big industry labor has has failed in its uh, in its uh, imagination of what should be done to create a better a better society for everybody and not just labor. One of the reasons people um, need to be employed in this country, they feel they need to be employed, is because those employment in this country means certain specific benefits like. Uh, so-called health insurance, not health care, but health insurance. Right. So if you, if, if labor had been actually really smart when, when big industry started happening in the beginning of the 20th century with car industry steel and so forth, they wouldn't have accepted this, this, um, this paradigm where they would have to go to their employer for their health insurance or even their pensions. So, and, and they made these big fundamental mistakes by tying their employment with their benefits. If we had a national health system from the beginning, very few people would feel they needed, they would need to be employed. Very few people would need to feel that they would have to have a job for 30 years to get a pension. If we disassociated all of these services and these lifetime benefits from the requirement to be employed like they do in most same countries in Europe and so forth. And so this, this has micro and macro effects on people's thinking. I, I, I was in the government and I was in a government union. And it, and it, it really just blew my mind that people would think that they should have their employer withhold money out of their paycheck to go into Social Security. 
when if the unions had been smart, they would say, no, don't take any money out of our paychecks. This is back in the 1900s, and, and, and like I say, when the whole thing started, well before Social Security was even conceived to be necessary because of the ravages of the Depression and why people didn't have any savings. If the unions had promoted that, no, we will create our own health care systems. We will create our own pension system so that when people about our union dues will go into paying for a universal union health care, a universal union uh, pension program that's totally separate from the wages that would, they would get from whoever your employer is. So now people would flock to unions because, in, in general, because the unions would provide these benefits, these, these tangible benefits that would be seen as a product of being in the union, you know, as a it's a direct benefit of being in the union. But instead, they made that Faustian bargain to say, mm-hmm. okay, we will allow GM to control our pension system. We will allow GM to determine what kind of health care we got. And so that has now been in, in place for over 100 years. So people don't want to have their health care tied to their employment. They don't want to have their their pensions or their future you know, retirement tied to their employees. So people don't want to be considered employees, and there's a valid reason for that. There's a valid reason for that. And this all goes back to social policy because we don't have the social policies to give people the option to be able to trade their labor without thinking about they will lose benefits that can only be done by giving labor to a to a, a, a employer that they really don't want to be involved with. Thank you so much. We're going to have to jump here, but I really appreciate the call. Keep listening and keep calling. Um, I want to get a quick comment from uh, Ed, who's not only my co-host, but works with the uh, Nurses Association. So he knows a little bit about the healthcare system. And then I want to get some closing remarks from uh, Brother Flesher. Go ahead, Ed. So thank you, Chris. And again, thanks, Bill, for coming on. Always a pleasure to see you and hear you uh, and always an education. Um, uh, The caller has a lot of good points. Uh, I think the major point that I wanted to address is the fact that we have become so accustomed to employer provided health insurance. And and over the past couple of decades, it used to be the employer provided at 100 percent. And in large part, that was due to the big unions, UAW, the mine workers. Um, And now, of course, we've seen employers cut into it more and more. And, uh, of course, one of the arguments against Medicare for all has always been uh, people love their employer uh, health insurance. uh, And unions love to bargain over health insurance. Well, I will say here, right and now, that I am a union representative And I do not like to bargain over health insurance costs because what every single time that uh, you go to the table, you are worried that management's going to come in and ask for a give back and ask me to have my nurses pay more in premiums for health insurance. Our position is, as a union, as our national union as well, is that let's get this off the table. Let's Let's bargain about things that matter in working conditions, patient ratios. Let's bargain about wages. We don't need to bargain about health insurance because it should be, health care should be a right. It should be afforded uh, by the government. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll get Bill, uh, Joe Biden to, to, to move in that direction a little bit more. By the way, one other point 
I just want to go back to election results just as a silver lining, not a big silver lining, but 3.8 million more people voted for Biden than Trump as of right now. So that number is going to go up. It's going to go over 4, 4 million. Georgia's votes now, uh, Trump is only ahead by less than 14,000 with about 50 to 60,000 votes still need to be counted. That is a very encouraging sign. Same thing with Pennsylvania. The numbers are dropping just over 100,000 now with still a ton of votes to be counted. We've got a real good opportunity here, but we still got to be patient. I'm guessing into the weekend, Chris. And Bill, again, thanks for coming on. Bill, just about a minute and a half, but I, I, I mean, and you don't have to respond to, to all of the things that were raised. I think there were some good points there, but yeah. uh, some of your thoughts as, as we go out here? Yeah, just I appreciate that caller's comments. I think he's uh, uh, putting a couple of different things together um, uh, and coming to some mixed conclusions. Um, people want their benefits. They want health. They want Social Security, whatever. Social Security was won by fights. That's right. Um, there were unions, uh, particularly in the building trades, that uh, had benefits programs for their members. And that was precisely the problem. It was for their members. It was not for the rest of the working class. And so the fights in the 30s around unemployment, around Social Security, were fights to expand beyond that and, and not make it contingent on uh, the particular employer, and the fight for national health care. In fact, after World War II, there was an expectation that there would be national health care in the United States, much as there was in other parts of the world. Um, It was the decision, and this is where I agree with the caller, to give up on social benefits Uh and to collapse everything into collective bargaining. That was a fateful mistake. Yep. And and has led to this problem that we're currently in. It's not that workers don't want the, their employers to be providing them with benefits. It, they want the benefits. And they're looking for wherever they can get them. We need to be fighting, as Ed was pointing out, for social insurance. That's right. We need to be looking out for society as a whole and not tying it to any one particular employer. Bill Good Fletcher, point. always point, just a, just such a pleasure to see and talk with you. Bill Fletcher Jr., folks, Thank really you. good to have you uh, have you on the air. Keep up the fight, man. Keep up the Will fight. Will do. Thanks by to the you way, both. By the way, I just saw something across the news uh, wire that said Pennsylvania Secretary of State said Pennsylvania may have results by the end of today. Oh, Fingers wow. crossed. Fingers crossed. Okay. You're listening to Your Right to Work. Thanks right. so much to Bill Fletcher, Ed Smith, and of course, the mighty Mike Nacella rocking and rolling. On Keep the breathing, net. everybody. All right. See you next week.